Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And we are finally here. We are at the All-Star break, the midway point of the season. Even though the Lakers are technically past the midway point, they played 37 games. Uh, not to bury the lead here, they lost 123 to 120 on Wednesday night uh, to drop to 24 and 13 and fourth in the West. Technically tied for third in the West, but with the Clippers holding the tiebreaker currently, uh, the Lakers are fourth. So depending on what happens with the Clippers tomorrow, or rather today, if you're listening uh, Thursday night against the Wizards will dictate whether the Lakers are in sole uh, place in in third or if they are in sole possession, sole place, not sole possession um, of either third or fourth, depending on what happens with the Clippers. Uh, But another shorthanded performance from the Lakers, and this one, second night of a back-to-back, so you have naturally some tired legs. But no LeBron, who... Essentially rested. They they've been having him uh, on the injury report every game with his sore left ankle, and and this was uh, you know sore left ankle was the reason he was out. But essentially a rest game. Didn't have to make the trip out to Sacramento. Anthony Davis is you know continues to be out. Marcus Sewell health and safety protocols, and Alex uh, Alex Russo was out with neck spasms, which was a kind of a random injury. But you know with, with Alex. Um, he always seems to be kind of nicked up. So a shorthanded effort without you know, the starting front court uh, and you know a, a very key bench player, especially defensively and as an energy guy. So uh, you know I, I thought considering that that the Lakers, you know, in my opinion, were missing four of their I don't know best seven players for their best eight. Um, you know, and, and had to have guys like Jared Dudley, Alfonso McKinney. Uh, you know, Damian Jones step into roles that are probably larger than what they should be playing right now. Uh, the fact that they went down to the wire with, with the Kings team, which yes, you know, not a good team. They're 14 and 21 on the season, only eight and 12 at home. But De'Aaron Fox is, is a guy who, you know, had 23 and eight is an all-star caliber guy. Uh, Marvin Bagley, you know, former number two pick uh, pretty recently, you know, is decent. Harrison Barnes uh, is a quality role player. And Buddy Heald, he was the player of the game. 29 points, 7 three-pointers, uh, 11 of 15 shooting overall. Uh, also added uh, 6 rebounds and, and 6 assists. Like Had a, a pretty good uh, dominant game overall. He, he clearly was the best player on the floor, in my opinion. So um, I think... You know, just a, a you chalk this one up to just being shorthanded, and um, you know, even with that, the Lakers had a chance to win this game. And I think um, Dennis Schroda, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrezl Harrell all deserve props for their big performances. Like these are the three guys you look at if AD or LeBron is out, if they're both out, if one of them's having an off night. These are the three guys that the Lakers should be relying on to step up offensively. And all three of them did. Uh, Dennis had 28 points, nine assists. Kuz had 25 and 12. Trez had 26 and 13. Uh, so all three of those guys had, you know, arguably, you know, respectively for, for each of them, their best game of the season, I, w- I would say, um, or at least in that conversation. And, and you know, showed that they are capable of stepping up 
and and having a bigger offensive you know role and, and handling more of an offensive load when LeBron or AD or both is, is out and you know uh, all of them did it efficiently too it wasn't like you know one guy just kind of went rogue and uh, was you know turned into a ball stopper or a ball hog and, and was just kind of playing inefficient but um, you know effective in the scoring column like Kuz was 10 to 20 uh, Dennis was 11 to 20 Trez was 13 to 22 and after the the you know the, the story of last game or you know or, or one of the subplots of last game being Trez's minutes and his role and him not playing enough he played 33 minutes which is one of his highest totals of the season I, I haven't checked but I you know that might be a season high but if not close to it um and you know 26 points again 13 rebounds uh, a block uh, had a, had an assist on, on a nice kickout pass out of the post um, it took a three, one, oh, oh, for one there. But what was one of the only effective bench guys, um, you know, in, in terms of plus minus, where you look at every bench guy, it was minus 11 or more besides Treads, who was a minus two. And he did end up playing more minutes. The, the Lake, you know, the Lakers did lose those bench uh, minutes pretty badly. But I thought just a, a nice bounce back effort from Trez. You know, before the game, Frank Vogel said that. Uh, he and, and Trez had a conversation this morning and, and Trez said he preferred to come off the bench. So they went with Damian Jones as a starter. And uh, I thought Trez looked a lot more comfortable and, and played a much better game. Dennis, again, you know, kind of ran the offense uh, w- with those nine assists and a lot of high pick and roll and going downhill. And, and you saw, like, I think looking at, you know, potentially a, a playoff um, kind of situation with, with Dennis, like you can run some second unit offense through him. And, I think, you know, come playoff time, the Lakers are going to stagger, you know, basically do what they've been doing the regular season where LeBron or AD is always on the floor. But I think they can do a, a better job of running some of the offense, you know, more of the offense through Dennis. And uh, we, we saw tonight what that looks like, and, and that was effective. And yes, it was uh, against the worst defense in the NBA in Sacramento. And, uh, you know, they're going to make probably anybody look good. But I, I do think... Some of what happened tonight is translatable, you know, in in the future, uh, from at least the the Dennis side of things. And then Kuz, like, what what more can we say at this point? Um, you know, I think he's he's really made a case for being the third best Laker on, on the whole, just with his overall contributions. Um, I'd still say probably it's probably Dennis, but Kuz, I mean, the rebounding, four offensive rebounds, twelve overall, three assists, a steal. Uh, you know, did have five fouls, but Part of that was just being aggressive defensively and, um, you know, just being involved and, and active and engaged. And uh, I think you, you continue to see the, the best version of him. And then, uh, you know, a, a guy who is doing all the role player things, but also stepping up offensively and, and you know, taking more of that burden and, and you know, finding a way to to shot create and, and just be more involved. So I think overall, those three played really well. That was really encouraging. Alfonso McKinney came out of nowhere uh, with a season high 16 points, a season high, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, rather, uh, season high 16 minutes and a season high 11 points uh, and, and played some really good basketball. Uh, but, you know, d- d- defensively, and I'm going to get into this because I, I know there's some questions about him versus Wes. Um, I didn't love what I saw defensively. I, I went back and, and watched some, some clips uh, quickly on, on Buddy Heald's. Uh, shots and, and how he was getting open and, and who was defending him. And there were several times that he just got separation, you know, rather easily with McKinney. And it wasn't just like a closeout situation. It was like, you know, McKinney was defending him and he was able to 
break him down off the dribble and step back or get by him. And, I, you know, so from that perspective, I, I didn't love McKinney's performance like defensively that much. He only had one offensive rebound, but I watched, you know, looking at the film, I would say he had two. Um, you know, he had the putback dunk. He hit a three. He got out in transition. He had a nice cut for a layup. Uh, he, he did some good things offensively. And he's actually a guy who's more known for his defense. So, the, you know, Buddy had a, a supernova game where he just got really hot and he's one of the best shooters in the world. There, there's not much you can do about that. But I think with, with Alfonso, you know, with, with what he can do defensively, he's been more of a defensive guy the past two years in Golden State and in Cleveland, uh, but but then mix in some of the offense. Like, he's not really a shooter. So, you know, one for two from three, like, you're not really going to expect much from him in, in that respect. But as a guy who can cut, as a guy who could get out in transition, as a guy who's just going to make some plays and, and help you in maybe some of those, you know, bench minutes when uh, the the team is shorthanded, I think there's some value in that. So I, I do think that it... it and Frank Vogel said the same thing. He, he said uh, post game that this game proved to him that Alfonso, you know, deserves more minutes. So I think moving forward, it is going to be an interesting conversation of Alfonso versus Wes, you know, potentially even Alfonso versus THT if THT isn't having a good night. I thought he had a pretty good night tonight. Uh, nine points, five assists, 3-9 shooting, still continues to kind of struggle with uh, some of his finishing and, and, and some of his shot selection. But he is one of the only Lakers that consistently goes downhill, consistently makes plays, and I think there's there's definitely a lot of value in that. But uh, yeah, let, let, let's get into the open forum here. I, I don't want to belabor this one. Um, I, I will just say that the Lakers are three and seven in, the, in their last ten games, and you know have dipped a bit, right? Because a, a few weeks ago this team was in first place, and, and then you know shortly after was in second place for a while. And now we've seen a fluctuation between second and, and third and second and third, and now dropping all the way to fourth, uh, heading into the All-Star break. Like, no need to panic. I don't think in the grand scheme of things, it's a big deal. Kyle Kuzma actually said he considers the first half of the season a win uh, and and that he's not concerned by you know the, 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 the seating and the record and uh, like he's very excited for the second half of the season and, and thinks that coming off of the 71 day off season, the shortest off season in NBA history, having this team now have multiple guys be in the health and safety protocol, multiple injuries, including an injury to their second best player. He's encouraged by that. So I think there is some reason for optimism, but there also is some, you know, dose of reality of, of this team isn't invincible, that they're not having as dominant of a season as last season. Again, they're dealing with adversity, and I think that you know coming off of that really short offseason is tough to deal with, and you know it's really hard to quantify as well because you just don't know what this team would look like if they had an extra month, like a, a normal offseason. Like if everyone had an extra month to to rest, to recover, to get you know get into better shape, you know this team could have potentially a few more wins. I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. A lot of their losses have come within the past. 10 games, seven of the 13 have, have come within the past couple of weeks. So I think some of that is just AD goes down. It's really hard to replace him. But granted, in, in the big picture of things, I think you, it's hard not to give the Lakers a B plus, A minus, in my opinion, based on where they're at right now with the turnaround, 
with the new pieces and I think drastically new pieces for the most part, right? Like there's some overlap with, I'd say, Wes Matthews and Danny Green, but there was no Dennis on this team last year. There was no Mark. There was no Trez. Those guys are completely different players from their predecessors, different roles. And I think that that's been an adjustment clearly. And those guys have had some really good stretches and they've had some not so good stretches. For the most part, I think they've all been positive and and productive and and plus players, but I think you've clearly seen Mark adjusting to being marginalized in the offense, and at least in Toronto, had more of the offense run through him as a high post facilitator. You know, Trez being a a closer and uh, the third leading scorer with the Clippers last year. You know, Wes being a starter on the Bucks last year. You know, Dennis being also a bit more involved in the offense where there are some nights he was the go-to scorer. He was the leading scorer where that's almost, you know, never happening with the Lakers. So I think those guys have all had their adjustments. THT, you know, wasn't playing last year. It is now a rotation player. So I think overall, like you should be encouraged by where the Lakers are at. It is jumbled. So even though they're technically the four seed, you know, they're within a couple of games of the Suns and, and the Clippers, and they're a seven game win streak away from being back to second and maybe even pushing up against third. The Jazz lost tonight. They've now lost a couple of games in the past few days. They're looking a little bit more vulnerable. So I think for the Lakers, while this wasn't the perfect start to the season, this wasn't even necessarily the ideal start to the season, I think overall things have been better than than worse. And I, I know some fans are upset, but I think you just got to keep that perspective. Let's get into the open forum part of the show. First question, this is from Kane at LAL Prime. Who would be some trade targets that the Lakers should go after want to hear your opinion. I actually don't think that the Lakers should make a trade. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to not give something up that's valuable. Uh, I think in, in most trade scenarios, to get anything valuable back because they don't have their picks through, I want to say what, or they can't trade a pick in, until 2027, I believe. They're going to have to give up THT or, or Caruso. Or KCP. And I know the fan base is not very pleased with KCP, although he had some moments in the first half where he looked pretty good. I just don't see a way that this team can make a trade that doesn't potentially make them a lot worse or just worse in the short term and potentially long term, right? Like you don't want to give up Alex or Talon. I think those guys are off the table, you know, barring a major upgrade at some position, which you're probably not getting because those guys don't make a lot of money and you can't really get much back. Uh, but but those are two impending free agents that I think the Lakers are going to try to resign and I think are part of their at least short-term you know contending future of, of the next three to four years. I don't look at that and then I'm like, okay, KCP, maybe, but what are you really getting for KCP? Maybe there's a wing out there that, that is an upgrade on him and if you could get that, sure. But I think they're most likely going to stand pat in the trade market and then end up signing a key guy in the buyout market, if not two key guys, because Damian Jones, I know has played well, is impressed. I actually thought this was his worst game of the three and had zero points and one rebound in 15 minutes. He's not a guy who's going to put up a lot of stats, but uh, did have a block, uh, but also had three fouls. And I just think, again, not a guy you're going to rely on for, for stats and had some nice moments, had an offensive rebound. Uh, had the block, like I, I think you you like what you see so far, but I don't think it's a guarantee that he's on this team moving forward, especially with some of the potential buyout guys: Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, PJ Tucker, 
George Hill, Trevor Ariza. Like, I think any of these guys would be an upgrade. And even if it's at a position you don't necessarily need an upgrade, like a Blake Griffin or a George Hill, I just think from a talent perspective, it helps to add one of those guys. Now, if you're asking what position specifically I think this team needs, I do think they need an athletic, another athletic center, just as a, you know, put him, let's say 2.5 on the depth chart. Uh, not fully a third string guy, but sort of in this Damian Jones role. I think they can probably get someone better than him, but at the least, I think he's an option. And, you know, we'll see what happens with, with uh, Andre Drummond. We'll see what happens with Blake. Uh, Blake's technically not a five. He's more of a 4.5. But I, I do think he could take Keefe's role and potentially even some of Trez's role and potentially be an upgrade. Now, I know he hasn't played that well this season. I will look at it at like what Nick Batum is doing with the Clippers or what Boris Dia did with the Spurs. Like those guys were not happy in their you know, losing situations in you know small market situations. And even though they're getting paid, even though they were paid handsomely as starters, and Blake was at an even a different level because he was an all NBA guy a couple years ago. I do wonder if being back in LA, being in a new situation, playing with LeBron, playing with AD would give him some rejuvenation. So even though it's not the cleanest fit, I, I think there's something there. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say a, a athletic big, preferably a rim protector, and or a 3D wing that can shoot 38 plus percent from deep reliably. Uh, you know, Right now, if I'm looking at a concern on this roster, it's that I don't fully trust the shooting of KCP, Kuz, uh, Alex, Wes, Taylin. Like that is that is a shaky group with, with what we've seen this season, and in some cases with what we've seen in, in these players' careers. So while you know, I, I think KC, like KCP and, and Alex have been the, the, the two best shooters of, of that group, and I think maybe you have the most confidence in them. But the other guys, like they might need an upgrade there where you just get another 3 and D guy who is better than Wes or, or Talon or it's hard to find someone better than Kuz, but but maybe better in that specific area of can just shoot better. Uh, because I, I do think that this team had a good three-point shooting night tonight, 12-27, 44.4%. Uh, but it has obviously been a concern. They were last in the NBA in the month of February in three-point shooting. And that is something that you got to monitor. Okay, uh, I will take this one. Couple of questions about uh, KCP, Wes, McKinney. I will say that with Wes being on this scoring drought and just really being a complete minus offensively, I think his defense has been solid. I don't think that he gets enough credit for, for his defense sometimes. But I do think he and McKinney both played 16 minutes tonight. And... Talon played 19. So be it because McKinney gets a role or, or just Talon usurps him again for the second time this season and, and really takes that full control of that role. I, I do think that Wes on paper is looking like the 11th man again uh, or you know 10th, 11th, him versus Keefe. It really just depends who's available. But with AD out and Keefe starting, I, I think Keefe is safe. So I, I do think that when Alex comes back, when Mark comes back, when LeBron comes back, all three theoretically should be back that first game out of the All-Star break. Uh, I look at Wes as a guy who could potentially be out of the rotation. Uh, and I, I think 
Wes hasn't been as bad as people have said, but he hasn't been good, right? Like, I, I there's no way to spin it. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spin, uh, you know, it, it, it positively just to spin it positively. Like, I, I do think he's had, he's been in a shooting slump. I think he's played solid defense for the most part. Uh, the, the, there have been some rough stretches. He's also had his his role yo-yoed and his playing time yo-yoed. He's clearly a guy who's who stated multiple times he prefers to start and have a bigger role. So I, I think this has affected him. But I think it is at the point where with the Lakers, you know, needing to make up some ground in the West, it, it is probably time to bench him uh and, and or play him fewer minutes. So I think that's something we will see in the second half to at least start. And you know, these things are very fluid as we've seen night to night, week to week. The Lakers rotation looks very different. You know, you know who the starters are, you know who the key bench guys are, but after the top eight, after the top nine, well, even though the ninth guy isn't even really clear, it's really the top eight. Like after the top eight, that nine through 11 spot really fluctuates. There's been nights, it's been THT, nights it's Keefe, nights it's Wes. Who knows, maybe uh, Alfonso uh, will, will get in the mix or, or Damian if they retain him. So yeah, I think that that's what you're looking at. Uh, last one I'll, I'll get out on is uh, from Ike at Ike Iconic underscore. Uh, how do you feel about the job Vogel is doing? I, I think Vogel has done a solid job. I, I'd probably give him a B overall uh, on the first half of the season. I think that he stuck with the 11 man rotation for too long. I think that he stuck with the lineup of meh and some inefficient lineups too long. I think he's he's had games where he's kept underperforming guys in for too long, be it like a Trez or a Wes or a Keefe. And, and you know, those guys are getting maybe torched defensively or, or just not producing offensively and they've stayed in the game. Or there's been times where THT just hasn't played. You know, THT might have a couple good games in a row, and then that third game he doesn't really play, and you're like, well, what? Like, why not? Uh, and so I think there has been a lot of rotation and lineup things that I haven't liked, but at the same time, I, I think there's been a lot that you have liked. I think the starting group, while imperfect, is probably the 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 correct starting group. I think looking at the way some of those lineups without Alex and Dennis and, and Talon have struggled, you know, th- those LeBron lineups without another ball handler have struggled. I-, I do think that if the Lakers just started Wes instead of Dennis, uh, that would not have been a- as good of a lineup. And we've seen Wes's struggles. Maybe Alex deserved to start over Dennis uh, based on last season and, you know Dennis being more of a, a a bench player in theory, but I think the starting group has worked. I think Frank did make some tough decisions with uh, benching Keith, benching Wes. Like both guys were vocal after that that they weren't thrilled about that. Those weren't easy conversations. Those weren't easy decisions. And I think it's easy for us in the media or or for fans to say, well, yeah, that's your job. You're the coach, but. These things are very delicate. And when you're dealing with veteran guys, I mean, I just look at last season with the Clippers and, and how delicate that situation was. Like, it is very easy to lose a locker room, to lose a team, to lose certain players. And that, it just, there's so much ego involved. There's so much personality involved. That there's so much, you know, guys think of themselves in a certain way. Like, Keith and Wes, 
view themselves as starters. Whether we agree or not, that is how they view themselves. So for those guys to be not only not starting, but not even in the rotation, like that, you know, that's an ego hit. That 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 is something that clearly upset them. Uh, so Frank has had to juggle, I think, even more than last season, you know, with the short off season, with all the health and safety protocol stuff. Um, you know, it's not as easy as in the bubble. And then on top of that, I, I think a deeper roster where we can argue over the depth. I, I think this roster is deeper than last year's. But even if it's not as deep, I think last year's team had not as many high maintenance guys, right? Like they're, they're I, I just looking at it, you know, th- there are a lot of guys that on this team think they should be starting or, or playing 25 plus minutes. And that's just not the case, right? Like you could only have uh, at full strength with, with, you know, the 10, 11 man rotation, you can only have four or five guys playing 25 plus minutes, right? It's just, that's how the minutes are going to even out. And come playoff time, it, the rotation will shrink and they'll get down to, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half players. But it's just, I mean, for, for now, it, it, that's what it is. So I, I think Frank, uh, you got to give him credit for the defense, number one defense in the league. I think there's been so many stretches where I, I just think the defense hasn't been good. And yet they were made number one in defensive rating. Uh, the, the offense deserves a knock. I think there could be some more structure. I think he hasn't always focused on on what's the best offensive configuration. Uh, again, looking at those LeBron with no other ball handler lineups. Uh, so I would say a B overall because at the end of the day, the, the the team though in fourth place, which is a little disappointing for fans, is basic. I view it as like they were basically in second place until AD went out, right? And then they have not played well since AD went out, but. I mean, that's your second best player. That's a top 10, if not top five guy in the NBA. One of the league's best offensive and defensive players. I just, I don't think it's fair to hold that against Frank. Now, they've had some games that they've blown. Uh, you know, I think they could have won the Phoenix game. They could have won uh, tonight's game. Like there are some games that they could have stolen uh, and we'd be talking about it differently, but he'd be getting a better grade. I think B is pretty fair. I know there's some people who probably think that's too high, but I think all things considered, with the record, with the health and safety stuff, uh, with all the egos and just man, you know, managing the roles and playing time, like I'd give him a B for now. Uh, but but you know that could change. So thank you guys for listening. As always, um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J O V A N B U H A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you're listening to this right now, The Athletic. Uh, and if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash free trial for a free trial, or you could go and subscribe off of one of my stories, which would be much appreciated. Uh, and you can actually check me out on TikTok. I'm going to shout out my TikTok. I just created one, made my first video. So if you're on TikTok, uh, go check that out. And if you're on Clubhouse, I'm actually going to be doing a Clubhouse interview uh, with, with a, a Laker fan Clubhouse account on there so check that out as well um, so all the social platforms uh check check me out so i appreciate it as always uh, thank you guys i'll be back actually tomorrow with anthony slater and bill Orham. we're gonna be having a sort of mid-season review report uh looking at kind of where things stand uh so talk to you in less than 24 hours